Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in our program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one is dealing with the right way to challenge how meetings are run. We're also going to have a look at looking at those time robbers that snatch our uh, time away. But right now we're going to have a chat with John Woodward from Hunter Mediation Services. He's also now an adjunct lecturer with University of New South Wales. Good afternoon, That's John. Right. Hello, Julian. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us again. You're welcome. And uh, stepping up in the world lecturing. Yes, I've, I've um, undertaken that uh, job, for uh, at least for this semester anyway, Julian. We'll see how it goes after that. So, so we're going to reflect on a few of the consequences of conducting a business as an incorporated company. And John, you believe yes. that some people in business community clearly do not understand the implications and their lack of understanding comes at a great cost to both themselves personally and the company's business. So let's just start off by quickly outlining what a proprietary limited company is, its rules, its structure. You can probably even go back um, a step um before that, Julian, and, and consider what, what a company is. Um, and, and look, basically, it's an artificial entity that's recognised by the law as a legal person with its own rights and liabilities. The proprietary limited part of it really means that the shareholders of the company, who are the owners, shareholders own the company, um, have a limited uh, liability, and the limits of their liability are the um, requirement to pay any unpaid um, share capital. So when you buy shares in a company, um, you either pay for the shares when you buy them or sometimes you, 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 uh, you, you don't pay at all, don't pay anything, or you don't pay all the shares, but you, you, uh, if you, um, some part of the shares are unpaid. So the limit of the liability to contribute from a shareholder is the the, uh, the 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 liability to pay any unpaid portion of their shareholding. Now, what that means is that if a company um, venture fails, then it means that the owners uh, of the company, the shareholders, are not liable to meet payment of of uh, the company's debts. Mm. And that separation of um, legal personage between the owners and and the company itself um, is sometimes referred to as the is the veil of incorporation. It's the the company, the veil, the corporate veil. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's 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 the ownership. You know, the, the share structure of proprietary limited companies. But of course, a person can be a director and shareholder. In fact, the minimum is one person to be both, isn't it? common in small companies for that to happen I mean most um, many of the uh, the listeners would would um, be familiar with the small trading um, companies uh, you know traders builders uh, lots of small business ventures are are in fact run by um, two share one dollar share companies um, and uh, you know, uh, it's in, it's very common in those cases for the shareholders to also be the directors. But that that doesn't that's not necessarily the case. Okay. You can have the owners of a company of the shareholders. You can have and it's, it's it sometimes happens that you have other people um, who are the directors. Most directors of small proprietary limited companies are also the shareholders, but that's not necessarily 
um, the case. Uh, but there's a very important distinction between the two functions because the shareholders are the people who actually own the company. The directors are the people who have the responsibility of managing it. And what we sometimes find is that because of the confusion um, in it with the general public about the responsibilities of each of those two people, um, you have um, problems occurring when shareholders say, well, you know, I own the company, I should be able to do with it what I like. And, and that is not the case, precisely because the company is a separate legal person mm. and has separate rights and separate responsibilities. And uh, so, so that, that often creates confusion. But, of course, the one thing that they can do is vote the directors in and out. I'm sorry again, sorry? One, the one thing they can do is to vote the directors in and out. Well, they can do that. But, but again, that, that um, is not as easy as it sometimes sounds. Okay. Um, the management of a company, uh, for the day-to-day management, the formation of contracts and um, the conduct of its business on a day-to-day um, basis is in the hands of the directors. And the directors can deal with matters according to their obligations under the Corporations Act and the ASIC Act and all these other, and the company's constitution and the other indicators that give directors um, ideas about their responsibilities and what they have to do, you know, the, the pointers to them about what they have to do. Um, but what they're not um, accountable on a day-by-day basis to the shareholders. And conversely, shareholders do not have a right um, to walk into um, the director's office and say, well, you know, we demand that you tell us how the company's being managed or, you know, what's happening with it. If the shareholders as a body are not happy with the management of the company, then they can um, they can vote uh, about that at the annual general meeting. Mm-hmm. And um, But all those things, again, are subject to rules. They, they, they've got to have the numbers and they've got to... Um, you know, arrange to get the, the business listed as, a, as, an, as an agenda item and all those practical difficulties that occur to people, um, you know, that happen to people when they have to, um, when they want to do something like that. Mm. But as from a day-to-day thing, it's, it's, it's not, it, you, you, you can't just um, overrule a director. Okay. Uh, unless you're a shareholder who happens also to be a director, then, then you have a direct say in it all. So, so the second area we want to have a look at is uh, can the shareholding investment be automatically redeemed if a shareholder wishes? No, and that's probably really the um, gravamen of, of, of my whole uh, discussion with you today is that if you are a disgruntled shareholder um, who has had a falling out with the director or the other director or the other directors, um, unless um, you are being treated um, unfairly or oppressively within the fairly narrow meaning of what the corporation's law says, then you can find yourself stuck because most um, proprietary limited companies have severe restrictions on uh, how you can and when you can dispose of your shareholding in the company. So people can find themselves in the position uh, of being a minority shareholder in a proprietary limited company who can't sell their shares because they're not allowed to sell them under the prevailing rules of the company and 
because uh, the courts have recognised that shareholding, the purchase of shares in small proprietary limited companies is intended to be an investment in the company. It's not like uh, a debenture or a loan to the company that you can just um, have repaid at any time you like. It's an investment in the long-term uh, welfare of the company. Mm. And you can sell your shares, but you are subject to the rules that deal with the purchase and sale of shares and to find out what those rules are, you need to look in the Constitution. Mm. Um, which brings me to the next point that I wanted to make about um, this whole subject, and that is that people who are um, thinking of incorporating a company or going into a business with other people which will be using uh, the vehicle of a company to operate its business need to give thought to those matters before they get into um, the thing. Because what, what most people do is, is think, oh, well, we'll go along and see their accountant, see the lawyer, and they'll get um, a company incorporated uh, using the standard form, um, you know, off-the-shelf uh, constitution and so on, and everything will be right. Well, um, that may be so, but um, it's not necessarily so. And if you have special requirements or you want to... Um, consider, uh, uh, you know, how you might bring an end to the relationship if down the track things go awry or you fall into dispute with um, other uh, venturers in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the venture that you, you're in. Um, you just need to be assured that if you, if you want to be able to sell your shares um, and move on, then you provide for that at the time of incorporation of a company. You can do that in a number of ways. You can regulate the constitution in a way. You can, when the company is incorporated, you can um, put in rules that will suit your purpose, or the shareholders can agree on um, a shareholders' agreement, which will supplement the constitution and um, deal with you know issues like that. But again, like most of these things that we've talked about on this program, Julian, the time to do it is is at the front end, not. Not at the not at the at the back at the back end when uh, when uh, problems are looming on the horizon, if you know what I mean. Right. Well, thanks very much for your time, uh, John, and helping us to unravel those consequences of uh, using a company structure. We'll have a chat with you again another time. Terrific. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. John Woodward there from the Hunter Mediation Service. Just be aware that all is not as simple as it sometimes seems, and planning up front is always important. And, of course, uh, Christina's still away, so I thought we'd have a look at identifying time robbers today. Daily, um, I talk with people about uh, one of the biggest challenges in business is having time to do those little things you know you should, but just haven't got around to it yet. You have many great intentions for implementing so many ideas and possibilities that you know will produce exceptional results in your business, but you find yourself saying, I wish I had more time for... So no matter who you are, whether you're successful or unsuccessful, rich or economically challenged, everyone has 86,400 seconds each and every day. And it's how we spend those valuable seconds that determine the course of our future. Work smarter, not harder, and have goals and action plans are saying that we hear frequently, but knowing these ideas is one thing, doing them is quite different. At the end of a hectic day when nothing seems to have gone right, there's little compensation in reflecting on what you should have done. 
Here are a couple of tips, though, which might help you make be more productive. When you identify a problem, you're, you are well on the way to solving it. So what is your time problem? The average person is unable to account for about four hours each day, hours that are lost every day in numerous small groups of minutes through telephone interruptions, meetings, driving time, social visiting, other people's deadlines, poor communication, unexpected interruptions, trying to do too much, excessive worry, lack of motivation, lack of delegation and of course procrastination. So the first thing you need to do is to identify those time robbers in your daily life. Doing a time log for a day or more where where you account for every five-minute sections will help you identify those precious minutes that are being lost. And also you'll be able not only be able to remove them all, but you will at least be able to minimise a lot of them. The second tip is to relates to those to-do lists. You know, those long lists that just keep getting longer. The advice here is to restrict your list to only six items. These are the six most important things you must do today. As you focus on a much smaller list and start crossing off the items, you feel better and more productive. Even if you only cross off four or five of the things, you feel you've achieved something. When the list is exhausted, you may have another list of six things. And when you find the extra time and focus on the important, you can put your business on a positive growth path, become miles ahead of your competition, and at the end of each day, feel completely relaxed, knowing you've achieved something really worthwhile. Time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one's the right way to challenge how meetings are run. When meetings veer off track, everyone's time gets wasted. But what if you're not in charge and the meeting leader is the source of the inefficiency? It can be daunting to question a superior, but you can do it without challenging their authority. First, think about the standard procedures for planning a meeting, inviting the right people, sending out pre-work and developing an agenda. Start your feedback there, since focusing on procedures won't feel like a personal attack. If you do need to address the way someone runs a meeting, treat with caution. You certainly can't say, this was a lousy meeting and here's how I'd make it better. But you can offer some quick assessment uh, mechanisms to help the meeting leader reach their own conclusions. A meeting process checklist that people fill out anonymously. A survey that participants complete online. Or quick questions that everyone discusses at the end of every meeting. We are all accountable for keeping meetings effective, whether we're leading them or simply participating. Those meetings can get off track sometimes, can't they? And this one here, which skill do you want to develop next? Success requires continual growth and learning. But how do you know which development efforts will yield the best return? First, look for the overlap between what your organisation needs and what you will give what will give you the most satisfaction. If you're in operations, you might identify several business critical areas for improvement, say learning to better manage large custom client projects in order to significantly reduce cycle and delivery times. Next, think about whether you can excel at the capabilities you want to, sorry, you want to develop. If you're already very organised, this bodes well for being able to learn complex project management. And finally, 
honestly assessed how interested you are in the capabilities. The key is to focus on the skills that will propel your organisation forward, play to your strengths and keep you passionate about learning. So a couple of little interesting tips there from the Harvard Business Review. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at some of those consequences of conducting a business as a company, sometimes we don't think about, and a little bit on time management. In a moment, Dave Cochran will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll enter the tax world again with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants and have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Benjamin Franklin once said, the only thing more expensive than education is ignorance.